Welcome to the 412-411. My name is George Colombo, and I'm your host for this edition of the new podcast from UA Local 412. If you're a plumber, a pipe fitter, a welder, or an HVAC service technician in New Mexico or the El Paso area, this is your source for the news you need about what's going on in your local. Hey, I've got a question for you. What would you say if I told you that Local 412 was getting ready to undertake an initiative that has the potential to significantly increase work opportunities for its members? Not only that, but it just might impact the state of New Mexico's ability to deal with one of its most pressing challenges. Well, if you think that sounds exciting and important, you're right. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today in this edition of the 412-411. I'm sitting here with somebody who I know is familiar to you and somebody who is brand new to this podcast. Um, Our familiar guest today is Joan Baker, who is your political affairs director, and you've heard her on this podcast before. But I'm also sitting with Adam Valdez. Uh, who is a business agent, and I want to welcome you to the 412-411. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Tell me about where your responsibilities are in in 412. So as a business agent of Local 412, my jurisdiction is the southern half of New Mexico from Socorro and everything south uh, to the nine counties in West Texas, including El Paso, all the way to the Pecos River, and then uh, Sandia, Sandia National Labs Metal Trades Council. Outstanding. And we're here today to talk about something that is really very new to me. So I am here as much as anything to get an education. Uh, And this is an initiative that 412 is undertaking uh, that you're referring to as strategic water solutions or sustainable water solutions. Are both of those accurate? Yes, absolutely. So tell me what that is, like kind of at a high-level overview. Okay, so what we're looking at, obviously, uh, the state of New Mexico, we all know as New Mexicans that we've been in a serious drought, serious water shortage for a lot of years. Water is our most valuable resource in this state. And, I mean, back as, as recent as August of 2022, the Rio Grande River went completely dry for the first time in four decades. I had just gotten to Mexico, to New Mexico, I'm sorry, when that happened, and it was shocking. It, it's a scary thing. I mean, water is life, so it's really a scary thing. So this initiative that we're working on, it's basically water reclamation and reuse. Um, we're focusing on getting the most we can out of every drop of water that we come in contact with. So across the country, a lot of people have stormwater and rainwater catchment systems. Obviously, we don't get a ton of rainwater or stormwater. We get about less than 10 inches of rain a year here in New Mexico. So we have to look at other sources of water, um, and that's where the reclamation and reuse comes in. We're looking at uh, reusing waters from cooling towers, condensate water from HVAC systems, and uh, gray water, reusing gray water from hand washing stations and sinks and, um, you know, laundry, sure. stuff like that. So. Sure. Um, so the idea is 
to capture water earlier in the process uh, when it comes to rainwater um, and then to pay attention to the um, um, the water that is used in other systems um, and make sure that we're getting that as early in the process as possible uh, because why? Again, we've got to do everything we can. We've got to be proactive instead of reactive, and we've got to make sure that we hang on to the water for future generations. And I think the purpose is reusing it, right? Not just letting it go down to the, the sewer systems um, or into septic tanks, but to grab it and reuse it and then process it to, to make it drinkable again. So when you think about that kind of initiative relative to all of our water consumption, uh, it it's quite an ambitious undertaking. Everything we do is ambitious here at Local 412. <laughs> we, we, we dream big, and that's all thanks to our, our business manager, Courtney. He's really forward-thinking. He thinks outside the box, and we really do all believe as a team that we can change the world. So, and, and, and certainly, as, as you suggest, in New Mexico, uh, doing better with our water is a great place to start. Um, so, how is this project going to roll out as a practical matter, and where is it going to get started? Okay, so it actually, the conversation has been going on for a couple of years between Courtney and I. We've been really looking at this and trying to figure out how we can incorporate ourselves and our local into this process. But it really started growing to fruition uh, last year when I was at an IATMO conference in San Antonio. And IATMO, they set the standards for plumbing and mechanical code across the country. Uh, they recently united with ARCSA, which is the American Rainwater Catchment Systems Association, and they decided on this big joint venture. And me being a part of this team, I'm like, well, let's dive in head first. Um, they talked a lot about our Navajo water project that we did out on the Navajo reservation where we provided drinking water to, you know, dozens of homes and people that haven't had water ever flowing freely through their house. Um, and so I was like, this is the next step. This is what we need to do. So I spoke to Courtney about it. He was on board. So from that point, we had a couple meetings while I was still in San Antonio with the UA, the, the United Association, our international organization, um, with ARCSA and with IATMO. And we said, hey, let's have New Mexico, let's have Local 412 be the guinea pig. Let's, let's start it here. I mean, no better place than here where we need the water, where we don't have the water. And this is important for our uh the building that we just obtained with the city of albuquerque um down on third and mountain because um we need that space in order to push forward this initiative and and that's where it'll be housed outstanding so that's going to be the laboratory that that's going to be the training headquarters that's where we're going to get started with everything and then we're actually hoping to build mobile training units that we can take out to the navajo reservation teach these people how to create their own systems and make them self-sustainable. Along the lines of the mobile training unit that launched a couple of months ago. They absolutely were. I mean, same type of idea, just a different process. So all of this 
um, is happening, Local 412's interest in this kind of undertaking is happening against the backdrop of the state of New Mexico getting very interested in what's happening with our water. Exactly. So um, the government, uh, the governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, just recently announced that she is putting forth $500 million into water initiatives um, for better water solutions. So in our discussions with the National UA and IATMO and ARCSA, um, we decided with the with the governor getting ready to put forward these initiatives, putting this on the forefront of, of her ideas, and putting forward so much money for it um, that we were going to write a piece of legislation this year. So there's a few reasons we have to do that. Uh, Number one, we don't currently have regulations adopted in the state of New Mexico to allow for the reuse of rainwater for drinkable water. This system that Adam will get into a little bit more um, actually captures the water And instead of it being gray water to water lawns or something like that, it actually becomes potable water. Um, And that is right on the forefront of what is happening legislatively um, and politically here in New Mexico, because we all know. Um, So we will be writing a piece of legislation uh, around this uh, this particular initiative as well. On the rainwater piece, um, I think think it's important to make clear, and, and you guys understand this far better than I do, that it's, it's far more complicated uh, or involved than simply capturing the water. Um, when you talk about uh, the distinction between potable water and non-potable water, talk a little bit about what the whole system involves. Absolutely. So, it depends on how the system's set up. There's very basic systems that just capture rainwater or repurpose gray water to uh, run uh, like uh, sprinkler systems for plants and stuff like that. And then uh, they actually become very complicated at a certain point when you're talking about uh, reclaiming water for potable water. So um, there's a process where there's a multi-step filtration system that goes in they have a solid separator. They have a micron filter and UV filtration to kill all the small bacteria. So it, it, it makes it safe for drinking. So this is really a skilled endeavor. Absolutely. It, it's not just, you know, putting the rain barrel outside and, boy, we got a barrel full of water. It's way beyond that. Absolutely. And that's part of what we're looking at with the state legislation. We're looking to make sure that Local 412 is the training hub for the entire state. Uh, We want to make this state-regulated specific to training that Local 412 does. So we've already started the process to be uh, incorporated through the ASSE certification, so we're able to teach the designer process, the installer process, and the inspector process. So we want to make sure that it's done right because, again, water is life, and we want to make sure that everybody that drinks this water is going to be able to be healthy. So, you know, there's there's the old song about New York that, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. It would seem to me that, that 
if you can make an impact on water usage in New Mexico, you can do it anywhere because this is a tough environment for that. Exactly. And I think that that was uh, the UA's vision with it being here in the desert southwest. Um, the only other system and training facility like this exists, you know, on the East Coast. The other exciting part about that um, is that we will be the training facility for everything west of the Mississippi. So this really is great for Local 412 and for our members, but really this has become a national movement and, and we're leading the West. Absolutely. They are actually in legislation at the state capitol building right now trying to push the same initiative nationally. So, Joan, you and I were talking a few moments ago before we started recording about the impact that this kind of initiative would potentially have on all of your members. Can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely, and, and I'll let Adam follow up. Um, so this, again, gains Local 412 national recognition. I mean, we are considered a mid-sized local um, in a very rural and low population state. Yet we are leading the way nationally on a lot of things. So this continues to keep us in that national uh, spotlight, number one. Number two, this helps us gain more jurisdiction and more market share so that we're ensuring that work for our members and that really exclusive type of training. Like nobody is getting this in without Local 412. Um, and that'll be here. And that'll, again, the UA will bring in members from Washington, Arizona, um, maybe even Texas, for sure. So you use the term jurisdiction, which I asked you about. It was kind of interesting to me. Uh, but it seems to me that there aren't that many opportunities to increase the size of the overall pie, um, as opposed to, you know, the various slices. This is a rare opportunity. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, jurisdiction's been laid out for years between the unions. We don't cross jurisdictional lines. And so this is one way that we can, like Joan said, create more work for our members. This will be our work. This will be something we do and something we, we move forward with. It's just going to create that much more opportunity for Local 412. But as is often the case uh, with these kind of things, as you um, as you advance the locals' interests, you're also making a very positive impact um, on on the community. We are, and you know, part of of taking over new jurisdiction, new market share when things have been set for so long, is keeping your eye on new technology on new things happening. It really takes a lot of strategy and a lot of vision and great teamwork. Like you'll see Adam and I are working very well here together. Um, him carrying an important piece and then it coming over to policy um, <clears throat> and us being able to communicate and, and work and make all of that happen. So you have this brand new opportunity and instead of just letting it slip through our fingers, we are running at the forefront of that. That takes leadership and a team that that is just always looking out for the best of the local and the best of the members. And, and I think that we really have that here. 
And I, I want to say one of the beautiful things about this is, again, we all have kids. Just about everybody on this team has kids. So we're not just looking to create work for our members. We're actually looking for the future of this state, looking out for our kids and their future. And one of the reasons I came to New Ma- uh, to the local 412, so I did a lot of grassroots work. I did a lot of work in changing New Mexico for, for the better and seeing Courtney, our business manager's vision of local 412 is an asset to the community as a whole. And we can do work here that really changes the lives of New Mexicans um, and and as well as our members. It, it just sold me. I had to be here to make that change. So what is the time framework that you anticipate? I'm hoping 2025 we'll start really rolling this out. It's going to be a big process because we've got to develop the trainers. We've got to go through the certification process to make sure that we are uh, certified to do train the trainer classes We've got to make sure that the industry is on board. Joan's got to do her very important piece legislatively to make sure this gets passed and make sure that these are requirements set in place. So I'm thinking a year to two years, we'll be fully on board and running with this. And when we look at, you know, well, this is going to take new equipment and new type of training and and those sorts of things. So we are asking for some appropriation legislatively um, to help build training here in New Mexico, but I am working with I Wish to write a grant in order to do three years worth of startup and worth of training. Um, so that grant will be submitted in two weeks. Now grants take about a year to get and start implementing, but um, the facility downtown is already happening. The UA is looking for investments. So there's a lot of working pieces that, like Adam said, I don't think we'll see a fruition till like 25, but we'll be moving a lot in the background. But, you know, so many undertakings, part of the vision is the patience and the tenacity um, and just staying with it to create this thing that wasn't there before. Absolutely. It's going to take a lot, but it's something that's very exciting. And I think the payoff is going to be far greater than what we ever put into it. These are going to, in addition to all the stuff we talked about, Another thing that you alluded to was the presence um, in the Navajo communities. Why is that important? Well, I mean, it's unfortunate, but a lot of the Navajo reservation right now is like a third world country. I mean, water is a human right, and a lot of these people have lived in their houses for decades and decades and decades without running water in their homes. Uh, We saw that firsthand when we completed, I think we've done five or six Navajo water projects now. And it's really, it'll change your life to go and see how differently they live. And everything that we take for granted on a daily basis is, is something that's just really valuable to them out there. And so to be able to go out there and teach these people and give these people this process to where they can change their lives and take care of their grandparents and take care of their grandchildren and have this running and something that it, I mean, it's going to change lives forever. And I think that's another reason for uh, expanding in the mobile training and taking rainwater catchment mobile, because the communities that will be impacted the most are not 
right here, right? Like we use a lot of water in Albuquerque and we can do a lot of things here, um, but we can still turn on a faucet. So how do we make the biggest and most impact? Um, and already setting up a model on how we can train on the road um, just becomes more efficient and, and better outreach in this new project as well. Well, this is going to be uh, a fascinating project to watch unfold over the next couple of years. And I'd like to uh, come back and revisit it from time to time because the, it strikes me as, as the impact is going to be enormous in so many ways. So I want to congratulate you. Um, and uh, we will keep in touch watch this project and uh i want to thank you for taking time to be with us today definitely thank you george um and uh before adam signs off i'd just like to tell everybody uh tune in on the next podcast uh because national ua representation is going to be here about the dyke and ribbon cuttings so that'll that's kind of a little tidbit of why to listen next time too excellent george thank you so much for having us we really appreciate you helping us reach out further to our members well adam it's been it's been a genuine pleasure thanks very much thank you this is such an exciting project and we're so grateful to adam valdez and joan baker for taking the time to sit down and explain it all to us before we go i just want to remind you that as always your general member meetings are on the second friday of every month at seven o'clock right at the hall and the Apprentice Council meetings are always on the same night, and they begin at 5.30. As you already know, the state legislature is in session right now, and we'll be keeping an eye on that for you. And as Joan mentioned, the Dican ribbon cutting will be taking place this week, and you'll be hearing all about that in the next edition of our podcast. 2024 is off to an amazing start, but as the old saying goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. Stay tuned to the 412 Four one one. I want to really not make a speech, but think out loud with you about some of the very complex and very challenging problems that we face in this troubled world of ours. I've been asked to talk about labor and society. I'd like to say that you cannot think about the problems of the whole of our society excepting as they relate to labor's problems and as labor's problems relate to the problems of the whole of our society. Because organized labor shares the same hopes and aspirations as people generally. We dream the same dreams. But the organized labor movement does more than just dream about a better tomorrow. It attempts to organize free workers into a voluntary association so that together they can work and, where necessary, fight to build those dreams into tangible living reality.